get your hopes up. I can look back in different moments of my life, and I can remember times when it felt hopeless. Back in 2006, we moved our family about 40 miles up the road from San Antonio to San Marcos, Texas, and we planted a church in a college town. And uh, there were tough seasons. There were tough seasons. And I remember we were four years into that, and our church, we, we, we did what they call parachuting in. That means you just kind of drop into a town not knowing anybody. You, you don't have relationships or anything like that. You just kind of drop into the town, and you start building relationships and so we, we started just doing a Bible study in my home on Friday nights. My mom and dad would come. A couple of friends would come to support. And we just started trying to get to know everybody. And eventually we got to know our neighbor across the street, and his name was Dick Herman, Dick and Lisa Herman. And they were the directors for Chi Alpha Campus Ministry. And they, they began to, it's a ministry of the Assemblies of God College Campus Ministry. And they began to send college students to our living room on Friday nights and um, we, we just would get out to get to know the lady who cut your hair or the, the clerk at the uh, grocery store or whoever we could. We'd start to build relationships. And um, after about a year, we moved into 14 months, to be exact. We moved into our first facility. And uh, we had about uh, 18 to 20 faithful attenders in our, in our little home Bible study at that point. And at the four-year mark, we'd grown to 100 people just over 100 people, and in uh, a Sunday morning attendance. And I remember we, uh, there was a young man that I had a relationship with that called me up and he said, hey, I've got a, a problem, a drug problem. And um, it, was a, it was a friend of mine, and he needed some help. His church just kind of abandoned him when he revealed it to them, gave him no help. And uh, so we opened up and said, hey, come. come. He actually moved from another state to be there. And uh, we did what we could to support. He, he began to get involved in the church, was with us not more than a year. And um, he began to, to sow discord into our church. Uh, I remember, I'll never forget, we had our best Sunday ever. And uh, over 100 in attendance. And then about two months later, we were down to 30 people. Because he was telling people, this is going on, that, just sowing, sowing discord complaining and grumbling and just uh, being divisive. And we, we were doing well. We had uh, signed a rent-to-own rent on a building next door. We had begun to put money into that, raised thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. We were doing really, really well. And then before you know it, we're down. Uh, if we had 30 people show up on, on a Sunday morning, we were, wow, okay, good. Uh, that was a good Sunday morning. After you know, two months prior, having a hundred and I think it was hundred and nine on that that biggest Sunday morning that we'd had in, up, up to that point. And I was bivocational at that point. I was working to try to pay bills, and offerings basically d disappeared. We basically the, the the people that stuck with us was the core group that started with us that knew us, and. Um, what we had coming in was not enough to keep up with what we had committed to. We had to give up, we'd, and we'd put quite a bit of money into this building that we'd signed this lease stone, having to give that up, having to, at that point, figure out how do I put diapers? I'd, we had babies at this point. I think Nathan and Noah were babies. I don't think Bethan was in the picture yet. She wasn't. And so just 
how do we pay our bills? How do we put diapers on our kids? How do we feed them? How do we pay the church light bill? Having to take out of my own money that I was making as a, a builder and put that back into the church. Trying to get momentum again, trying to rebuild. And I just remember despair, hopelessness. And ministry is not easy. Life's not easy. I know my, my, and your, your life's not any easier than mine. I know that. There are challenges, and we will all experience those seasons. We've, we've had many of those types of seasons in life. And I know that there will be more ahead. And it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Pastor Virgil and I, you know, when he was in town last weekend, we were at dinner, and we were kind of talking about some of the hard things that we have been through, some of the challenges. He's going through a very difficult season as he's watched the church that he started over almost 60 years ago um, go through a, a problem in this last year. And uh, he, he was there during that, guiding, helping to guide the church. And they just put a new um, interim pastor in place. Last, last weekend was his first Sunday. So we were, we were kind of sharing some of those difficult stories and things that we've encountered, things that we've been through. And, and we, we both kind of, and it was Rachel and Linda there with us, we all four of us made this conclusion that it wasn't all bad. That as we look back in those dark seasons that God actually did some really powerful things in those trying times, that he, he shaped things in, in our churches, he strengthened us, that he worked in us, we could see that he moved and that he was faithful, and sometimes there was things that had to shake off of us or shake out of the church that needed to change, and he used those difficult situations. I think COVID was another kind of one of those situations where we, we saw a lot of change, and we grumble and complain about a lot of what we went through, but I think a lot of things uh, needed to change, whether that be culturally or in the church or whatever, things had to change. And sometimes God allows difficult situations and circumstances to really do his work in us. He allows those things. And I, I don't think that God, I, I'm not, I, I definitely don't teach that God puts cancer on people to teach them lessons. I don't believe any of that garbage. Uh, we have an enemy, the enemy of our soul, and uh, that's where all that kind of garbage comes from. God's good. The enemy, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you would have it abundantly. And, uh, you know, as Christians, we need to understand we're, we are not um, uh, omitted. We haven't been given a pass from trial. In fact, if you read the scriptures, it tells us to expect it, to anticipate it, and that if, if we will go through it the right way, that it will turn out for our good and for the glory of God. Amen? If we go through it the right way, uh, Caleb um, uh, C.L. Warner, he was a, a, a pastor. He was a, a Pastor Virgil's pastor, I believe. And uh, he, he used to say that, that, that every trial can be a blessing if you, if you take it right. And that's true. That's true. And I, I want to talk, talk to us a little bit about that this morning. I want us to talk about having hope. There's a passage in the book of Romans that I want us to look, to, to look at. And our overhead projector is out. And it should hopefully be repaired this week. We have ordered. We fig I think we figured out what's, uh, what's going on with it. And we have ordered a light bulb. Don't laugh. Two light bulbs. We've ordered two light bulbs. Don't laugh. Don't laugh because these light bulbs are $1,200. How, how many looms is that, David? Like 65,000 looms? 11,000 11, lumens that that thing puts out. It's a high-powered light bulb. So if you want to sew towards a light bulb, 
Don't curse the darkness. Turn on the light. If you want to sow towards that, you can drop that in the, in the uh, $100, bucks, $1,200, whatever you want to do. Uh, give a little extra. This, that's great. That would help us out. Uh, or you can give online, returnchurch.org. But uh, praise God, it's not $18,000, which that machine cost. $18,000 for that projector. Can you believe that? But uh, isn't it good to be able to read the lyrics off the wall? You folks are off the wall. All right. I, hey, I got dad jokes. You guys are in trouble this year. You're, you're in trouble this year. You know what I got for Christmas in my stocking? My wife does the stocking for me every year. I got a can of dad jokes. You didn't know dad jokes come in a can, did you? I got one. I got one. All right. So Romans 12, 12. Romans 12, 12. And I just want to lift one little phrase out of Romans chapter 12, verse 12. In one of my study Bibles, this section is under the heading of behave like a Christian. And so it's giving some things that, that uh, some descriptions of what our deportment, what our lifestyle as Christians should look like. And under that heading of living uh, like a Christian, behaving like a Christian, in Romans 12, 12, it says, be joyful in hope. Be joyful in hope. Behave like a Christian. Be joyful in hope. With $5 gas, be joyful in hope. When you don't like the guy in the White House, be joyful in hope. When there's wars and rumors of wars, be joyful in hope. You know, when, when the, the, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, what, you know, what's it gonna, when, when are you going to return? What's it going to look like when you return? And he gives the signs of his, he gives the Olivet Discourse. And he talks about disease, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and floods, and all of these negative. He says, I'm giving you my peace. My peace I leave with you. We, we shouldn't despair because there's difficult times. We shouldn't despair by what's going on in the world. I am not without hope when I look at what's going on in this world. This world is not falling apart. It's falling into place. The plan and purpose that Jesus Christ laid out is, is being executed to perfection. I'm not worried one iota. One iota. I'm not worried about interest rates or gas prices or politics or governments or anything that's going on in this world because there's a kingdom that is advancing. And our hope as believers is in that kingdom. And we need a more joyful eschatology. Not an eschatology of doom and gloom. When you look at eschatology, it is actually a proclamation of victory for the church. We are triumphant in this. Christ is triumphant in this. The gates of hell will not prevail. Was Jesus lying? Then why do we act like we're a defeated foe? We're not. We are a victorious army that's on a conquest to advance the kingdom of light. As long as Jesus has us here on planet Earth, that's our agenda. Not to complain, not to bellyache about everything that's going on, not to complain about government or this or that or the other or the school system. We ought to be advancing the kingdom of light in a dark world. That's our assignment. And it's a glorious assignment. And we're going to be victorious. 
I've read, anybody else read the back of the book? You remember that song? We win, we win, hallelujah, we win. I've read the back of the book and we win. I don't sing songs, I preach songs. Because I can't sing, I'm just a preacher. Y'all remember that song? That song is true. We win. We are victorious. He causes us to triumph in all things. And so we ought to joy in hope. Remember David at Ziklag? He had, they'd been beat up. His army had been beat up. They'd come back and, and ransacked the village and uh, taken their wives and their children as hostages and taken their riches and all that kind of stuff. And his, his own men began to turn on him. What did David do? He joyed in hope. He'd been to, he, the Bible says he began to encourage himself in the Lord. He began to encourage himself in the Lord. Christians, we need to encourage ourselves today in the Lord. Now, there, there's a difference in, in encouraging yourself in the Lord and hyping yourself up. It's, it's not a, a, a false encouragement. It's not a false hope. It's not a false joy. There, there's real joy in Jesus. There's real hope in the promises of God. There's real encouragement in the Lord. Amen? Now, if you're going to look at world circumstances and try to encourage yourself, you're going to look at economy and try to encourage yourself. If you're going to, uh, whatever, put yourself, anything in this world, you're going to try to put hope and encouragement in that, you're, you're going to be let down. But in Jesus, there's joy. In Jesus, there's peace. In Jesus, there's hope. Come on, Christians. Joy in hope. Be joyful in hope. Amen? Everybody say, keep your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we get our hopes up? Not some kind of false hope, not some kind of hype. Not hype, hope. One, one letter makes all the difference. We're not talking about hype. We're talking about hope. How do we get our hopes up? How do we have hope? Let's look at it. Romans chapter 5 gives us a blueprint. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. It says this. It says, we celebrate in our tribulations. Anybody going through a trial? Celebrate. Hardships at your door? Rejoice. Difficult day? Go home and have a party. Just get, get a rug. Get a rug out somewhere in your house like this and, and just do a little dance. Now, I, I, I just don't laugh. Don't laugh. I have, I have an issue, okay? I have, it's serious. It's a serious issue. It's called CRD. CRD. It's Caucasian Rhythmic Disorder, so don't <laughs> laugh. I've got CRD, but I could still dance. Come on now. Come on. Do a little dance. Amen? If you're feeling down, dance. Amen? Put off the spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise. You need a dancing rug. You need to cut a jig on a rug in your living room. You need to learn to dance in your situations, in your heaviness. And Remember that? This is how I fight my battles. Remember that song? How do you fight your battles? You dance when the enemy is coming at you with everything that he's got, when he has weighed you down, when he's thrown the whole kitchen sink at you, everything that he could, he's brought to you, you rejoice, you dance, you celebrate, you throw your hands up, and you praise King Jesus because you've got victory in your trials. Come on.
Come on, somebody. Get your hopes up. The key to having joy and hope is celebrating in the trials. Celebrate your tribulations. I was reading in preparation, our Bible study in, in, in the midweek is in the, in the book of Acts, and I was looking at Acts 14. The, the, Acts uh, 14, Paul and Barnabas, they're ministering in Iconium and Antioch and these different places, and, and God does miracles at the hands of the apostles. It says that they're boldly declaring the word of Jesus they're boldly preaching the gospel, and God is accompanying that, that, that they're bold preaching with signs and wonders. The Holy Spirit is moving, and you would think, wow, everybody would just get saved because the glory of God is on, dis on display. They're seeing with their own eyes miracles and signs and wonders. This man gets healed, you think everybody would get saved. But it says that some of the Jews and some of the Greeks believed, but there were unbelieving Jews that tried to turn everybody against the apostles. And these unbelieving Jews pursued uh, uh, the apostles and they, they caught Paul and they stoned him. And they drug him and left him assuming that he was dead. Now, if, if that would have happened to most of us, we would have probably quit the ministry. I'll be honest, I've been tempted at times to quit the ministry. Anybody else? Anybody else has been tempted to quit church or to quit your Sunday school class or whatever, whatever God's given you to do? Right? There's, there, there are things, the hardships that come, and there is temptation. But it's amazing to me, as I was reading through that, just astounded. It doesn't say that Paul sat around and licked his wounds. It doesn't say that he went and checked in at the ER. Like, he's stoned in one verse, and the next verse he gets up, and then the verse after that he's, again, preaching and teaching the Scriptures. No pity party. He didn't put his victim's cap on. He didn't get his victim t-shirt on. Right? I mean, Christians today, we are the MVP of victimization. We wear our, our wounds as trophies. We celebrate it. Don't celebrate your victimhood. Celebrate in the tribulations. Right? That's verse 3. Celebrate in the tribulations, knowing this, that tribulation brings about perseverance. In other words, when you go through things, it will make you tough. Anybody been to the gym? Anybody been to the gym? I, I, I go to the gym, and there's a treadmill, and there's a chair, and I sit in the chair for 15 minutes convincing myself I want to get on the I hate treadmills. But if you don't get on the treadmill, you don't lose the pot belly. Right? We all know the saying, right? No pain. No Tribulations. Testing yourself on the bench press. Testing yourself with the squats. Testing yourself with a curl. Testing. That tribulation on those muscles makes those muscles grow. And God allows tribulation to come to our life because he knows that the testing, the stretching out, and that's what happens. Your muscles rip and shred and tear. And then the healing process, the nutrients coming to those muscles to bring aid, that's what brings the strength. And so it is with us as Christians. If we go through tribulations with joy... It develops what? Perseverance. 
Perseverance. I, I, I say this a lot, but the, one of the most necessary attributes as a Christian is a high pain threshold. Toughen up, buttercup. When did it get tough? It's not easy. There's times I want to faint. There's times I want to quit. There's times I want to give up. I don't like running any more than you do. I don't like the exercise any more than you do. I don't like the, the hard days any more than you do. So sometimes we just have to come to ourselves, shake it off, and keep going. And that perseverance comes. The tribulations bring perseverance. And then verse 4 says that that perseverance brings proven character. Proven character. Proven character. Our character matters. And we as Christians, we need to have our character developed. Ultimately, the aim of that is to Christ-likeness. That we would look like Jesus, that the fruit of the Spirit, right? Jesus, the Bible says of Jesus that he learned through the things that he suffered. Why do we think we're exempt from suffering? Just, just because you got saved and the angels are going to come and carry you away on a pillow and never allow you to bump your knee again? It's a mentality that a lot of us have. God allows us to go through tribulations because he knows that it works perseverance in us and that perseverance will ultimately develop a character a trustworthy character amen we need to be proven paul said i'm sending to you timothy a man of proven character paul knew that he could trust timothy to go and minister to the philippians right we need proven character Celebrate in your tribulations because those tribulations bring perseverance and that perseverance brings proven character and that proven character brings hope. Hope. You know why we don't have a whole lot of hope? It's because we give up too easy. We give up too easy. So start celebrating in the tribulations so the perseverance can come. Then proven character can come. And then hope. And listen to what verse 5 says. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So number one, how, how do we have hope? It starts with celebrating in tribulation. Celebrate in your trials. Number two, I've got two Two things that I want to give us that will help us to have hope. Number two, in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, what, Whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort, look at this, comfort of the scriptures would have hope. You know why you need to read your Bible? Because there are a lot of tribulations. And the comfort of Scripture will give you hope in those tribulations. This is talking about really about the life of Abraham, this, this uh, Scripture that we read here, Romans 15, 4. Abraham and his life, and, and it says all the things written about Abraham in the Scriptures were written for us. For, for what purpose? That we through patience, persevering, 
and the comfort of the scripture would have hope. Let, let me encourage you, church, get in the word. There's an anchor in the word, right? When, whenever I go through difficult trials, that's, that's, I've learned this. And it, I haven't always been like this, but whenever I go through situations, whenever I'm tested, whenever things aren't going my way, whenever I'm frustrated, whenever I'm disappointed, whenever I feel there's been a set, but I learned to go to the word of God and look into the word. And it, let's, just, let's pick on Brother Bobby. Say, Brother Bobby hurt my feelings. I don't look in the word and say, Lord, how, how can I get one up on Bobby? Lord, show me something in your word that I could use to sort Bobby out. Show me something in your word. That I, I need some vengeance on Bobby. Show me something in your word that will give me. That's not the way that we need to approach it. Lord, show me something in the word that's going to build me. Right? And let, let's be honest. That's not always our first result. That, that takes attitude judgment. That, that takes what we call repentance. Repentance is a, it's a thought. It's at the word metanoia. And it, it's, a, it's a thought. It's a second thought is really what metanoia means. And it's a thought that reveals the error of the first thought that you had. That's what repentance is. Have you ever had a second thought? Right? Here, here's, here's an example of a second thought. You, ever, anybody ever smarted off to you? And you didn't know what to say. And then you're driving down the road 15 minutes later and the perfect comeback comes to mind. That's the second thought. Now, that's the negative version of it. Now, there's a positive side. When you say the thing you shouldn't have said and then you're driving and you said, man, I shouldn't have said that. That's the second thought in the positive. Right? That's what repentance is. Our first response whenever things go, just perfect example, hit yourself with a hammer. First thing, maybe, whoo, then you repent. Then you begin to adjust your attitude. Then you begin to change, right? The word of God does that. The word of God shapes our lives. The word of God shapes our heart. The word of God shapes our character. If we're getting into the word, amen? The most important thing that you will do in your life is develop a, a, a life of devotion in scripture. It's the most important and one of the most lacking things, honestly, in, in Christian living today. People in the word of God. The word of God will change everything about your life. It will change everything about your character. It will change the way that you live. Right? How do, how do we start this? Out of a passage that said, behave like a Christian. How does that happen? We get into the word of God and we allow it to shape us. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, but we all with open face beholding as in, in a, a mirror. This is the mirror. James chapter uh, 1 tells us the word of God is the mirror. When we look into this mirror, what do, you, what do you see when you open the Bible? You see Jesus. We're looking into a mirror. We're seeing our new nature. Right? That's why James says if you, if you read this word and you don't do it. You're like a man who looks into a mirror and forgets who he is. As I look into the word and get a revelation about Jesus, I'm seeing my new nature. Right? I see who I am in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we look into the mirror. We're changed into the likeness of Jesus day by day by the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to look in the, in the mirror day by day. Every single day. 
Because it's, it's reminding us, it's revealing to us who we are in Christ, right? And what you believe about Jesus will determine what you believe about yourself. And what you believe about Jesus and what you believe about yourself is going to determine the way that you live your life. We behave exactly the way that we believe. So we need our mindsets changed, to have the mind of Christ, to think like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to behave like Jesus. Those who say, John says, that, that they are in Christ should live like Jesus lived, right? That doesn't happen automatically. That takes denying ourselves, crucifying this flesh, living life to the Spirit, and allowing the Word of God to change and transform our behaviors, our attitudes, our, our deportment, our manner of life. The Word of God changes us, and that brings hope to us. That brings hope, right? That, that kind of character allows us to go through trials and situations and circumstances in this, this life and live with a better hope. All right, so what does this look like? What does it look like to live in hope? Romans chapter four. I wanna look at Abraham and then, then we're gonna pray together. We're gonna spend some time praying. Romans chapter four, beginning in verse 16. Everybody there? Everybody getting there? I like to hear those Bibles turning. Maybe that's the result of uh, PowerPoint being down today. That's good. Bring your Bible to church, even when we got PowerPoint. Spend time in your Bible. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I recognized uh, this week I was thumbing through my Bible, and I'm so used to doing it on my phone, I kind of forgot the orientation of where scriptures are at. You spend so much time on the digital one, get in the Bible. Get in the Bible. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So that the promise, everybody say promise. You know why we have hope? Because of the promises of God. It is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So there's a revelation right there about the, the nature and the character of God. Right? He gives life to the dead, and he calls those things that be not as though they were. Okay? So that he, Abraham, became the father of many nations. According to, that, to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And, and I skipped a uh, part of that, verse 18, the important part, verse 18. So who? Abraham, that's the who there. So he, he gives this revelation of, of God, a God who, who gives life to the dead and, and calls those things that be not as though they were, uh, calls those things which do not exist as they did. And then it says, Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed. Do you see that? Contrary to hope. In hope believed so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. 
And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. What is hope? It's a reality. We, we cannot live without hope. We can't live without hope. Uh, so many people die, especially when we talk about elderly folks. So many of them die because they're without hope. Loneliness, lack of person, purpose, uh, you know, th these things settle in into their hearts. They give up. And, and it's been said they, they, that many people have died of broken hearts, hopelessness. I heard a, a story about a, a research project uh, that this, this uh, scientist was conducting. He uh, put, a, put a rat into this, I guess, uh, pool of water or, or tub of water, whatever it was. And there was no way for this, this rat to escape, and he had to swim. He swam for 10 minutes, and then he died. He drowned. So this scientist began to do an experiment. He took the next rat out at, at nine and a half minutes, put the rat back in, and that swimming time increased. He did this exercise over and over with rats until he, he, he got one rat to swim for 37 hours. What, what changed... The attitude of that rat was that he had hope that that hand of that scientist was going to reach in and pull him out. See, a lot of times we give up when we could keep going, but we don't have hope. Right? So hope, hope is important. What does it look like for us to hope as believers? This scripture that we just read in, in, in Romans chapter 4 said that, that Abraham, contrary to hope, Believed in hope. The circumstances said there's no way. He's an old, now the, here's the promise of God, just for the context. You're going to have a child. Abraham is an old man. Sarah is an old woman. And she has been barren her entire life. That's the picture. That when it says that Contrary to hope, he believed in hope. Despite the circumstances, un unhopeful circumstances, he trusted the promise of God. So that's, that's the picture here. There, there, there's some indicators here in, in verse 19. Verse 19, he sa it says, He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not consider the circumstances. Christian, if we're going to be hopeful, we cannot look at circumstances. We are not a people that are moved by what we see, by what we're sensing. The Bible says we're, we, we do not walk by sight. We are a people who walk by faith. 
right? If, if we're going to be a people of hope, we cannot consider their circumstances. We've got to make sure that the words that we're speaking line up with what God has said about it. We're never going to reach anybody in this neighborhood. What, what, did, what did Jesus say about it? I'm going to die in this bed. What did Jesus say about it? I'll never be able to pay these bills. What does Jesus say about it? We need to make sure that what we're saying lines up with what God has said about it. The word of God is powerful. Now, I want to tell you this. The word of God is just as powerful in your mouth as it is in his mouth when you say it the way that he meant it. Let's, let's, let's look at the character of God again revealed in this. He's a God who brings life out of death and something out of nothing. You know this proven character that we were talking about? You know what? It's the character of Jesus. It's the nature of our God. We Christians, as we go through trials, as we persevere, and that proven character is developed in us. That proven character is Christ-likeness. It's like the nature of God. Jesus came to reveal the nature of God to us. Trials and tribulations shape the character of Jesus, the character of God into us. Right? Our God's a giver. We should be givers. Our, our God's patient. We should be. Our God's kind. Look at all of the attributes of our God. Those should be on display in our lives. Now listen, we, we, we all have bad attitudes. We all have stinky, you name it, in our lives. We're all in progress. That's why I'm glad it says that he will finish the work that he started in us. He's faithful to do it. Amen? He's working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's shaping us. He is building us. We are his workmanship, his, his, his craftsmanship created unto good works. God is working on us. God is developing in us character and virtue and strength. And it comes through these testings and these trials. So let's look at the, the nature of God. This God who calls life out of death and something out of nothing. Christian, when we get our backs up against the wall, when we feel like we're in impossible situations, we need to stand like Abraham does. He's exhibiting the character of God there when it says that contrary to hope, he believed in hope. He's looking at a God who calls life out of death and, and, and nothing out of, something out of nothing. Right? That's why it's, that, that scripture is vital. Romans or Hebrews 11, uh, what is it, Hebrews 11, 3 or 4 or 5, I can't remember. But without faith, it is impossible to please God because he that comes to God must believe that he is. Do we believe that he is? That, that, that statement there, we must believe that he is. We must believe the character of God. That's what that statement is, is meaning. When God said, I am, and, and it, it, that's, when, we, when it says that we must believe that he is, there's a correlation to that statement that God made to Moses, I am. Do you believe he am? Do you believe he is? What? 
Look at all of the names of God. There, there are many, God has one name, but there are many God, and, and then there's the name of Jesus through which he's, he's been revealed to us today. But there are many names of God all throughout scripture, and what they do is they point to his character. They point to his virtue, right? Jehovah Rophi or Jehovah Rapha, God who heals. That's his name. That's why I never doubt the healing power of God. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. It's who he is. His arms haven't shrunk. He can still reach planet Earth. He can still heal. He can still save. He can still deliver. He can still provide. So you look at all of the names of God. And they're pointing to his character. I shared this, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, Something that one of my mentors taught me. He said this. He said that the promises of God are windows through which we can view his character. The promise of salvation, he's savior. The promise of provider, he is a, provi- a, a provision, he is a provider. The promise of healing, he is a healer. Every promise of the, of the scripture point to the character and the nature of our God. And that nature is being worked out in us through the Holy Spirit. As we look into the word of God and get revelation of who Jesus is, we are changed into that likeness. We are changed in that nature. And this is what Abraham's doing here. He's exhibiting the nature of God. Contrary to hope, he's believing in hope. Initially, Sarah laughs when God says this. But somewhere in there, her, her and Abraham got a hold of the promise of God and they chose to hold on to it. They chose to hold on to it. So don't consider your circumstances. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am God, and I'm doing a new thing. That's number one. Do not consider your circumstances. Number two, do not stagger at the promises of God. Right? It's right there in verse 20. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God. Don't stagger. How many of you have looked at the the promises of God and say, man, those are just outrageous? I mean, anybody in this room ever had a life-threatening disease? You didn't think you were going to live, and the promise of God of healing comes, and it's like, I'm not sure I can trust that. Let's be real. How many of you have a financial situation right now, and you hear the, 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 the Jehovah Jireh, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And you're like, yeah, that's the Bible, but I'm not quite sure. Anybody ever wavered? Yeah, that's what the Bible says, but uh, this has gone on for 16 months now. Right? We're fickle. We got wobbly knees. Right? Oh, if we could learn not to waver. Oh, if we could learn not to stagger. If, if we could learn that God is not a man that he should lie. Amen? Remember that passage we looked at? It's in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. We looked at it two weeks ago. Because God could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. No higher authority. All of the promises of God are backed up by the totality of who he is. God does not give us things out of his bank account. He gives us things out of his very being. 
The promises of God don't come from his pockets. They come from his person, from his nature. They are, the promises of God are backed up and fully guaranteed. They're better than the FDIC that back our banks. God's backing is far better than anything that we can understand. The promises of God are sure because he says, by, because I could swear by no greater, I swore by myself. He backed every promise up with his very being. And this is what it looks like when God makes a promise. If this does not happen, I will cease to exist. How many of you know that's an impossibility? If God said it, it's going to come to pass. He is not a man that he should lie. Amen? We can trust the promises of God, so we should not stagger at them. Listen to Hebrews 11, uh, verses 11 and 12. It says, Sarah herself, by faith, also received strength to conceive seed. And remember, this woman's barren. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Did you see that? She judged him faithful who had promised. Do we judge God faithful? When we have done that, when we have truly in our hearts judged that God is faithful, we cannot be moved. We'll stand in an unrelenting hope, in a stubborn, impertinent kind of hope. Amen? That's, I want us to get that kind of a hope. A stubborn, impertinent hope. Let's get a hope to reach our city. And let, let's get bulldogged about it. Anybody ever tried to wrestle a shoe from a dog who wasn't letting go? We need to get a hold of a promise of God like a bulldog. Amen? How about this? How many of you believe that God could pay our debt off? I want that as a goal for our church. I want us to live debt free so we can live on mission and go spend all the money reaching people, making disciples, advancing the gospel. Let's pay this one million one off. I believe God can help us. Let's have hope. Do we believe our God's big enough? Do we judge him who has promised faithful? I believe that he is. We need to get some, some tenacious hope. Amen? And because of this woman's faith, look at what happens in verse 12. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, this old man Abraham... were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Because this woman judged God faithful. A whole nation was brought forth. That's the power of hope. Can we stand in dead bodies and barren wombs and trust what God has said is true? God made a promise to us, we're going to have a child. We're not going to waver. We're not going to stagger at the promises of God. We're not going to be moved. The last part of it is this. We're fully convinced. Let's get fully convinced about what God has said. Verse 21, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That's in Romans chapter 4. Do we believe that he is able to perform what he has promised? Are we fully persuaded? Are we fully convinced Hebrews eleven thirteen. look at this. Now, this is talking about all of the people of faith. All the people of faith says these all died in faith, not having received the promises. We haven't received all the promises yet, but we've received a lot of promises they didn't receive. Because we're on this side of the cross. 
We got the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? We've received a lot of promises in this life that they, they didn't get to, to, to partake in. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, but they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They were fully persuaded about the promises of God. Let's, let's stand together. I want to spend some time praying. How many of you have ever gotten a promise from God? Maybe you're reading the Bible and that promise jumped off the page to you. God spoke in your spirit. Maybe it was about a lost loved one. Maybe it was about your health. And if you're facing health challenges, I want to encourage you, get into scriptures and get the promises of God out. My wife had some things that she was worried about in her body, and I remember her getting those, those scriptures out over and over and over and over again. It's a precious lady named Dodie Osteen in, in Texas, her husband, John Osteen, and she, she had cancer, and she began to get the scriptures, and, and she put it into a book, all of the scriptures on healing, and she read those over and over in the hospital, read those scriptures, dying of cancer in that hospital bed, and she lived, I think, almost 20 years after that because God healed her. Get, get a hold of the promises of God. Get fully persuaded of the promises of God. Lay hold on them. And regardless of the circumstances, do not consider your circumstances. Don't stagger at the promises of God. Get fully persuaded. What, what circumstance are you facing that seems like an impossible circumstance? I think the majority of us in this room would have some kind of a situation that we would say, it, 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 when, we, when our mind goes there, it is an absolute total despair. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your vocation. Maybe God's given you a dream that you feel like is dying. Maybe it's family members that aren't saved, teenagers that are strung out on drugs. What situation are you looking at that seems hopeless? I want to I read this passage of Scripture. It just stuck out to me. And this is in... A version that I never really have read much is called the New English Bible. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, or 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, chapter 4. It's verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, hopeless situation, but we are never hemmed in. We are bewildered, hopeless, but we are never at our wit's end. We are hunted, but we are never abandoned to our fate. We are struck down we are never left to die. 
encouragement. Things get dark in life. But when we are anchored in Christ, when our hope is in him, we are never without hope. Never. Never. Here's what I want to do. I want to make an invitation. If you have any situation in your life right now that feels absolutely hopeless, I want you to walk down to this altar right now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray together. And I believe that things are going to begin to lift today. I believe that you're going to find hope. Contrary to hope, you're going to find hope. That something is going to be sparked and you. Go ahead and come. And something is going to shift. Something is going to move. Come on. Come on. Don't make me be the one to have to answer this. I, I got hopeless situations. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Amen. One man brave enough to admit it. Two, three, four. They're coming. You've got a hopeless situation. There's no way that you could see it working out. Praise God. I'm going to pray a prayer. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray the word of God. It's what we're doing on Thursday nights. What, we had, what a great time we had together on Thursday night. I want to pray this over you. Ro Romans, we spoke this at the end of the message two weeks ago. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It's a benediction, a benediction of blessing. Amen. I believe that the Lord is going to come and shine a light today. Let the heaviness lift in Jesus' name. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may, be, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God of hope, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would fill everybody in this altar, everybody in this room who feels hopeless, myself included, in any hopeless situation, Father, fill us with all joy, fill us with peace and believing that we may abound in hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us, you have not abandoned us. Lord, you're bringing us through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Father, you have not forsaken us. You have not forgotten us. Father, you will bring us through. You will deliver us. You will provide for us. You will bring healing. You will bring hope, Lord God, in our moments of despair, Father. We thank you for it. We thank you for it today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you and we give you praise. We honor you. We praise you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Now, here's what I want you to do, those of you, especially those of you who have responded today, everybody in this room, here's what I want us to do. We, we've got trials, we've got tribulations, we've got some hard things that we're facing. There may be sickness in your body, there may be a negative in your bank account. Whatever you're going through right now, you know what I want us to do? I want us to rejoice in tribulations. Lift your voice up and praise God. Celebrate. I mean, come on, celebrate. 
Glory. Hallelujah. Woo! We rejoice. We thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody pat yourself on the back. Pat yourself on the back. Encourage yourself. The Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged him. Come on, encourage yourself. It's going to be all right. David encouraged himself. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Come on, soul, wake up and bless the Lord. Everything that is in me, magnify the Lord. Amen. Don't let the heaviness settle in and let your shoulders droop and your hands sag. Lift your hands and worship the living God in whom you have your hope. We are not without hope. You may be pressed on every side. You may be be, being hunted down, but we are not without hope. You may be in a squeeze, but you're not without hope. It may be dark, but we're not without hope. We may be despairing, but we are not without hope. Amen? Our God has not forsaken us. Our God will never forsake us. Anybody ever have a friend give up on you? Anybody ever have a a wife walk out on you? Listen, this is what Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Some of you, your your spouse hadn't left you, but they've forsaken you. You know what that means? It literally means I won't, neither will I, I, I will not leave, neither will I allow my heart to abandon you. My heart to grow. People are living in marriages, but their hearts have abandoned each other. And Jesus has promised, I will never do that. Never. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. That bill may be big, but he's with you. The doctor's prognosis may be scary, but he's with you. Amen? That that business transaction, that legal predicament, that challenge in your relationship, he will not forsake you. Amen. Go with hope. Amen. Get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Put a smile on your face. Just kind of lift your shoulders. Walk with your back up. Walk with your head high. Lift your hands and worship. Amen. He hadn't forsaken you. Our God is good. Our God is good. Some of y'all, you may need to go home and have a Holy Ghost party. Amen. My, my grandpa used to, he, he, it, was, it was cute. My, my cousins and I, he said, hey, hey, boy, my, my grandpa was a mumbler, mumbled. I, I tend to mumble like my grandpa. I, I inherited it. Remember J.P. Fender? He'd mumble. J, Dwayne knew my grandpa. Hey, my boys, come, come on over here. We're going to have a party for grandma. It's her birthday. We're going to have a party. Me and my cousins, we, we just laughed. We thought it was the funniest thing. We would say, ain't no party like a pawpaw party because a pawpaw party don't stop. We call them Paul Paul. Paul Paul threw a party. Hey, Paul Paul could throw a party. You can have a party too. Amen. We used to, we used to go to youth camp and we'd sing that. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Amen. Have a party. The bills come, have a party. Sing a song. Do a dance. Rejoice. Exalt. Glory in your God because he has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken us. Amen. He is with us. Be fully persuaded. He is able, perfectly and well able, to perform what he has promised. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Amen. Give God glory. Give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah.
Everybody get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Amen. My son Jensen is going into the t-shirt business. And I've asked him to make me a t-shirt that says Hope Dealer. Hope Dealer. I ain't the, hope, the dope dealer. I'm the hope dealer. Amen. Hope. I want us to have so much hope this year. I want us to be encouraged. Amen. Encourage somebody. When you're leaving this building today, encourage them. Speak life. Speak hope. Speak the promises of God. Speak about the goodness of God. Speak about the faithfulness of God. Speak about the plan that God has set before us. Amen. It's a plan to prosper us and to give us a hope. Amen. God's got hope that he wants us to experience and enjoy. Amen. Don't despair. Don't let your shoulders sag. Don't let your knees knock. Don't get wobbly. Trust in Jesus. Amen. God bless you.